Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. It's nice to be back at Neutral Bay. My name is Paul, if I haven't met you. Uh, there's a wonderful old hymn that you might know, and the words are on the screen. It says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. It's a glorious old hymn because it assures you of your faith. As you sing this hymn, you're singing truths about God that that give you this deep-seated confidence that you really are an heir that you really are a child, you really are washed by the blood of Jesus. As I want to ask you this morning as we begin, do you have that assurance? I'm I'm not talking about arrogance, there's there's way too many arrogant Christians. But do you have this this deep-seated, quiet, humble confidence that God is God, that God has loved you, washed you, chosen you, restored you, redeemed you, and he'll hold on to you and keep you for glory. Do you have that confidence? Uh, I, I know it's hard. I, I know there are seasons of life where you stand in church and you, you're thinking, is this all true? Do you ever have that feeling? Uh, you, you see the words of the song and, and you, you think, is that actually true? Or am I just crazy? Uh, the lady who wrote this song, let me show you, tell you her story. At age six weeks old, just six weeks old, she had an eye infection. And her parents took her to a, a fake doctor. And the doctor gave her the wrong eye treatment that left her totally and permanently blind. Age six weeks old. But she never allowed that to cause her to be 
negative about life. She actually saw her blindness as a blessing. And she wrote this, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And I thank God for that dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered to me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of my God if I'd been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. If at birth I'd been able to make one petition, it would have been that I'd been born blind. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. Isn't that remarkable? Not bitter, not angry. She sees herself blessed by God, and she has this absolute confidence that she is a child of God. She is an heir, and nothing's going to separate her from the love of God in Christ. So do you have that assurance? Do you have this confidence that whatever happens in your life, that God is still God, and God is still good, and you're his precious, precious child? There's a quote that I love from Tim Keller. He says this, the, the great basis of Christian assurance is not how much your hearts are set on God, but how unshakably God's heart is set on you. That's the base of your assurance. Not, not how much you, you love God, not how you feel about God, but his heart is on you. It's for you, not against you. I, I used a challenging quote in my sermon a couple of weeks ago. It says this, Someone said this, if nothing good comes my way for the rest of my life, I am still so blessed. Think about that. If nothing good come, comes your way for the rest of your life, could you say, I am still so blessed? And I realize why I find that quote so challenging, because when I think about blessings, my natural mind just rushes to all the earthly things that I consider blessings, like a relationship or, or children or friendships or property or possessions or health and wealth. I think that's what it means to be blessed by God. And so I get disappointed and I get discouraged when all those so-called earthly blessings don't come my way. But that's not what God means by blessings. God is not talking about your earthly blessings. He's talking about your spiritual blessings. The blessing of being chosen and adopted and forgiven and redeemed and loved and sealed with his Holy Spirit. That's your assurance. God has chosen you. God has redeemed you. God has blessed you. Not how you feel about God, but God's heart is for you. So today's our last sermon in these first 14 verses. We spent four weeks on them, and I've loved it. As I'm sure you know, these first 14 verses are, are one long sentence, 202 words long. And they, they stretch from before the foundations of the world where, where God chose you, before time began, verse 4. And they stretch right up to eternity, your future inheritance, verse 14. And these verses are like a, a cascade of blessings, like a, a snowball that just tumbles down the hill getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And God is saying, be assured and be confident that you are blessed in Christ and nothing can shake that. 
As I've said before, what I love about these verses is there's, there's not one single imperative. There's, there's not a single command in these first 14 verses. God is not asking you to do anything. He doesn't need you to do anything. What, what he wants from you is to, to sit back and to bathe in his grace, to bathe in his blessings, to, to marvel at him and go, wow, God, you've done that for me. So what are these blessings? I, I just, I'm just going to run through the first five, and I'm going to focus on the last two this morning. Remember, you are, you are chosen. That's, that was the first blessing. God chose you, not the other way around. Before time began, before, before you had a chance to do anything or think anything, God chose you. So your, your salvation is not based on what you have done in life. It's based on the fact that God has chosen you. And Spurgeon says this great quote. He says this, If God had not chosen me before the creation of the world, he, certain wouldn't, he certainly would not have chosen me after I'd been born. So your, your, your choosing is not based on you, but on God. The second blessing was you adopted. God brought you into his family. He called you his child. He invites you to call him a father. That's a, a great blessing. The third blessing, he redeemed you. You've been set free by the blood of Jesus, free from sin, free from Satan. So sin has no power over you, and Satan has no power over you. You're chosen, you're adopted, you're redeemed. Blessing number four, you are forgiven. That's a relational world. You are fully forgiven. You're washed clean. No guilt in life, no fear in death. The fifth blessing is that you know the mystery that, that everything is going to be united under Christ. Everything and everyone is going to come under Christ. And that starts now with his church. So we are so blessed. Here's our final two blessings. We are heirs. We are heirs in Christ. If you are in Christ, you've got this glorious inheritance. God is treating you as his firstborn son, his firstborn daughter. Look at verse 11 in the NIV. Open your Bibles. In Christ. So when you come to Christ, when you believe in Jesus, in him you were also chosen, says the NIV except that word is not actually there. Come down to your footnote, E. Or we were made heirs. That's actually a better translation. So on the screen, I put a better translation. In him, we have also received an inheritance. That's the blessing that we are heirs. That's our identity. We have an inheritance. That's our destiny. What we have is an inheritance. Who we are is we are heirs. But look at that word received. You didn't earn it. It's a gift. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. It's the work of God that he, he gives you an inheritance. He makes you an heir. We banter this word inheritance about all the time. What, what is this inheritance that's yours? Let me try and illustrate it. This is a true story. There's a really, really wealthy man who had this enormous art collection, and it was a priceless art collection. True story. He had one son, and sadly, his son died before the father. And in the will of this wealthy man, it says, you've got to auction off. I have no heir, so you've got to auction off all of my art collection. 
And so a thousand people turned up for this auction, just desperate to buy one of these precious art. The, the, the auction began like this, that the auctioneer brought out a, a different painting, and it was a self-portrait of the sun. And it wasn't, wasn't particularly nice. It wasn't particularly worth anything, but it was a portrait of the sun. And the auctioneer said, well, who wants to buy this? Out of a thousand people, no one put up their hand. No one bid. And, and then comes forward this, this one old man. and said, well, I'll buy it. I'll give you $2 for it. And so he bought this portrait of the sun. And everyone got excited. We were about to, we were about to bid for these priceless paintings. And the auctioneer went this, that's it then. Auction's closed. We've finished for the day. And they're like, what? We've come to buy these paintings. I don't know. In the will of the wealthy man, it says that the entire art collection must go to the person who buys the portrait of the sun. And so this, this one man who bought this worthless painting suddenly inherits the entire collection. And in a way, that's what your inheritance is. If you're in Christ, the entire collection of who Jesus is, what was his becomes yours. You know, the, the way that the Father saw Jesus, he now sees you. That intimacy with God that, that we can just glimpse now, but it's not the same kind of intimacy that Jesus had with his Father, but, but it will be. That's your inheritance. You're going to have this, this beautiful walking face-to-face -face with God and intimacy with God that, that we just can't even grasp now. And, and you know the way that Jesus walked on earth where he always showed kindness and he always showed compassion and he always showed grace? That's what you're going to be like. That's your inheritance. You're going to have this, this mind and this heart and this body that is just like Jesus. That's what you're going to have. You haven't got it yet. But you've got glimpses of it, haven't you? You know those extraordinary wealthy people who they're kind of born with a silver spoon in their mouth and they, they enter this life and they've just got tons and tons of cash and they're going to have this glorious inheritance and they strut around this world as though they own this world. Please don't be like that. This, this inheritance, you don't deserve it, you haven't earned it, but you're supposed to enjoy it. And you're supposed to long for it. So how do you know you're an heir? How do you know that you have an inheritance? Well, let's keep reading this verse. In him we have received an inheritance because we were predestined. Look at that word predestined. It's the same word that Paul used back in verse 5. Uh, to be predestined means to be predetermined. To be foreordained, you see, the words that's used where if you're going to buy a, a property off a plan and you walk to the, the real estate and the house isn't built yet, but you see the plans and the boundaries are laid out and there's no house yet, but you can envisage what it's going to be like. It's been predetermined. That, that's what God does. Before you were born, he, he saw you, he preordained, he predetermined that you would be an heir, not just because your parents were Christians, not because your grandparents were Christians, but because he saw you. 
individually, and he predetermined that, that you were going to be his heir, that you were going to be a firstborn son, a firstborn daughter, and you don't deserve that. How do you know it's certain? Let's keep reading. Because we are predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. See those words, plan, agreement, and will. It's saying that this is intentional by God. This is deliberate by God. This is God's plan. This is God's will, and nothing's going to shake that. And so there's seasons of life where you really question, am I an heir? Will I really get to heaven? Yes, you will, because it's been ordained by God, it's been planned by God, it's been agreed by God, and it's according to his will. You ever seen the, the musical Annie? It's a great musical. See, Annie goes from living in an orphanage to a mansion. Uh, but she doesn't just change location, it changes her life. And so she goes from being under the authority of this spiteful, alcoholic caretaker, and she goes to living with a loving, caring father. And she goes from having no possessions to having every possession, from being oppressed to being free, from no hope to being an heir. But she has a choice. She can live as an heir or live as an orphan. You see, it's not just that God calls you an heir, but you've got a choice. As you live in this world, you can live as an heir or you can live as an orphan. And God desires for you, my friends, to live every single day saying, I'm an heir and I've got this glorious inheritance to come. I haven't got it yet, but I'm going to enjoy today with my heavenly Father. That's the first blessing that you're an heir. The second blessing is this, is in verse 13, that you are sealed with the Spirit. You are sealed with the Spirit, verse 13, and you also were included in Christ. Look at that word, you. Because the first time the word you is there, the first, the first 12 verses is, is we, 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 and now it's you. And that you could be the Gentiles, you know, the we is the Jewish believers, the, the, the you is the Gentiles. But I think it's just later Christians. We were not the first to believe. That was the disciples, that was the Apostle Paul, but the you is every other believer even us here in Sydney, we, you were included in Christ. When we included verse 13, when you heard the message of truth, well, when your ears were open to the message about Jesus being the way and the truth and the life, you heard it with your ears. But it's not just hearing verse 13, when you believed it, when you accepted it, when you surrendered your life to it, when you said, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Now look at this. When you heard it, when you believe it, what's the next thing? You were marked in him, in Christ, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So the moment you heard and believed, the Spirit of God entered you. Not, not, not a second moment, not a subsequent season, but the moment you heard, the moment you believed, you were marked with the Holy Spirit. People sometimes ask me, Paul, have you got the Holy Spirit? And I say, of course I have, because I've believed in Jesus. Or, or people sometimes say, Paul, you need more of the Holy Spirit. What a stupid thing to say. 
I don't need more of the Holy Spirit. He, he needs more of me. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got, I've got all of the Holy Spirit living in me. It's just there's certain parts of my life that I'm not surrendering to him yet. I need to allow him to have more and more and more of my life. I need to allow him to transform me more and lead me more and show me more of him. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. We are, we are born again by the Holy Spirit. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We understand the Scriptures by the Holy Spirit. We bear fruit by the Holy Spirit. We have gifts by the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. But the particular thing here today is this. You are marked in him with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Just as the Father sealed the Son in John chapter 6, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? What is a seal? A seal is a picture of three things. It's a picture of ownership, of security, and a taste of the things to come. Ownership, security, and a taste of things to come. Ownership, a proof, a, a seal that you belong, you belong to Jesus. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. God anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts. If there are any, any farmers here, you know that if you're a farmer with cattle, then you get this, this searing hot iron and you brand your sheep. And that, that brand, that, that seal is a mark to say, this sheep belongs to me. It's like a, a king who seals his letter saying, this belongs to me. It's like a, a birth certificate for an adopted child saying, this child now, long, now belongs to me. That's what the Spirit does in your life. He assures you that you really are God's child. You are his beloved ones. You belong to God. And God could have branded us with an identity tag. He could have branded us with a, a product number. I, I could be Paul Dale 24601897. That's not how he brands us. He brands us by putting his, himself inside of us. He says, let me dwell within you. That's your seal of ownership. I know I've been chosen and adopted because I've got the Spirit of God living in me. And by that Spirit, I cry, Abba, Father. So ownership, number one. Security, number two, you are spiritually safe. God will always protect you. Now, don't mishear me there. I'm not saying that God will always protect you from every harm and hurt and heartache. He, he never promises that. But he does promise that he will protect you spiritually, that nothing will cause you to stumble spiritually. Do you remember how, remember that, that character Daniel in the Bible? And King Nebuchadnezzar sealed Daniel in a tomb. That's the word used. He sealed him in the tomb, and his purpose was for the lions to devour him. But God's purpose was to seal him in that tomb to show that God's power and God's protection was greater. Or when, when Pilate asked that Jesus was sealed in the tomb, the same word used. The seal of that tomb was to, to stop people stealing the bodies. But, but God sealed the tomb to show his power. 
And that, that's the Spirit's seal on us to show God's power and God's protection in your life that nothing can touch you spiritually. Romans 8, if God is for you, who can be against you? Romans 8, who shall separate you from the love of God in Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Now, now that's the security that the Spirit of God brings you. You know, when you're sick or suffering like, like Jenny is. I mean, Jenny, I hope you know that you are spiritually secure, that nothing is going to rob you of your salvation. You know, but when you, when you doubt, when you're depressed, when you're in the pits, you say, okay, I'm not liking this, but nothing can snatch me from my Father's hand. I am safe in Jesus. That's the work of the Spirit, the loneliness, disappointment, Persecution, you may wobble, but you won't wander because the Spirit of God has sealed you. That's the work of the Spirit. To, to, it's about ownership, it's about security, and then lastly, it's about, it's about this, this taste of things to come. Keep, let's keep reading the verse. You were marked in him with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, the redemption of those who are God's possession. And we read this word deposit or guarantee, and we immediately think down payment. So the, so the way that we think about a deposit is that you, that you put a deposit on a car or you put a deposit on a house. It's kind of like a down payment to say, I will pay the rest. And that is true. The, the, the Spirit is a deposit to say, well, God will do the rest. What God has promised he will do, he will do. But it's actually more than that. The word for the deposit there means more than a down payment. It means a foretaste. It means a first fruits. And it's a similar word used in, in Numbers chapter 13, where it's talking about the, 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 the bunch of grapes. The, the first crop of the grapes is like a foretaste of this incredible harvest to come. Is that if the first fruits are good, then the main crop will be amazing. And that's what the word down payment is. It's kind of like God saying to you, the Spirit has come. He's given you a, he's given you a, a taster of how extraordinary heaven's going to be. He's given you a glimpse, an appetizer if you want, of just how amazing heaven's going to be. Do you ever think, is heaven going to be that good? Is this really worth it? I'm going to get to heaven and go, is that it, God? I gave my life for this. But the Spirit gives you this taste to say, wow, it's going to be extraordinary. And I hope you get that sometimes. Sometimes when you're in a worship service on a Sunday, do you have those moments where it's like God is just revealing to you, just how glorious it's going to be when we're around the throne worshiping God forever. I hope you do. Uh, since I've done my back and I can't run anymore, and so I've been walking down at Balmore Beach about 5 a.m., and it's been glorious. As you watch the, the sunrise, you kind of go, God, God is saying to me personally, this is just a glimpse of how majestic it's going to be. Or there's moments in prayer where you just experience the the intimacy with God and the closeness of God. 
It's like the Spirit is saying, this is how glorious it's going to be. Or those moments where someone does an act of kindness for you or, uh, or just this, this act of compassion, and go, this is how glorious it's going to be. I hope you've experienced that, that this world is not all that there is. There are some beautiful things. There's some glorious things here. But this is a foretaste. You know, as I wait for my back to be healed, that there's moments where I'm like, I'm just longing for this resurrection body. I'm longing for a place where there's no sin and no suffering and no sadness and no harm. This is not it. But the Spirit gives me, gives me a foretaste of it. How good is heaven going to be? That's what the Spirit does in my life and your life. He reminds you that you belong to God. He reminds you that nothing can shake you spiritually. And it gives you a, a glimpse, a first fruit, say, a down payment of just how flipping good heaven is going to be. So we have incredible blessings. You're chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, united heirs and sealed with the Spirit. But there's more. And this is the biggie. I'm going to finish with this. Please don't miss this. These blessings are not actually about you. Spoiler alert, you are not the center of this universe. You are not the center of this church. You are not the center of attention. But God is. There's a repeated phrase in these first 14 verses, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12, we might be for the praise of his glory. And verse 14, to the praise of his glory. So everything God has done for you is so that he gets praised. Everything that God has given you is so that your life is to adore and worship him. I shared a few weeks ago in a sermon that when my kids have a, a birthday party, it is beautiful and it's horrible at the same time. Because they invite all their friends from class and they get 30 different gifts. And then after the party, is this horrible scene in our lounge room where they're just ripping paper off going, oh, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And I, as a father, I'm going, Stop. Read the tag. Who is this gift from? Because I want to thank the person who gave my child a gift. And I hope when you receive a gift, it's more about thanking the person who gave you the gift than just taking the gifts and just using it for yourself. And part of the problem for us as Christians is that we can sit here and go, Wow, I am chosen, I am loved, I am forgiven. I mean, even sing it. I am chosen, not forsaken, I am who I say I am. Me, 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 me. But that's not why God has done it. He's done it for the praise of his glory, for the praise of his name. And I want to say, church, stop being, stop being paraders and be pointers. Stop being paraders and be pointers. Stop strutting around this world as though you are the most blessed person and life revolves around you. Stop strutting into church saying, hello, I'm here. Me, 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 me. And start to be pointers. Start to live a life where you point everyone to your Savior, to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so when you talk about being chosen, it's for his glory. When you talk about being redeemed, it's because he redeemed you. When you talk about being an heir, it's because he has given you an inheritance. And it's all for his praise and for his glory. I'll finish with this. Because I love this quote. Someone says this. You are only as horizontally helpful as you are vertically aligned. You are only as horizontally helpful as you are vertically aligned. That's my longing. That we be more vertically aligned. That we be more living lives for his glory. I'm not wanting you, church, to do more, to serve more, to give more, or to achieve more. My deepest desire is that you be vertically aligned and live lives for his glory. Then everything else horizontally just, just flows from that. So blessed assurance, Jesus is yours. Do you have that, have that confidence? Let me pray. Father, thank you for all these extraordinary spiritual blessings that we have in you. I'm just going to list them and just pause for 10 seconds so that you can marvel at God. Lord, you have chosen us. Lord, you have adopted us into your family. Lord, you have redeemed us through the blood of your Son. Set us free. Lord, you've fully forgiven us in the death of your Son. Lord, you've revealed to us the mystery of your will that all things will be united under Christ. Lord, you've given us an incredible inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And Lord, you've given us your spirit. Your promised precious Holy Spirit who lives in us. To the praise of your glorious name. Amen.